Chapter Seventeen, Part Two of the Crock of Gold by James Stevens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read for you by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Book Six: The Thin Woman's Journey and the Happy March. Chapter Seventeen, Part Two there was a sickle moon in the sky a tender sword whose radiance stayed in its own high places and did not at all illumine the heavy world below the glimmer of infrequent stars could also be seen with spacious dark solitudes between them but on the earth the darkness gathered in fold on fold of misty veiling through which the trees uttered an earnest whisper and the grasses lifted their little voices and the wind crooned its thrilling stern lament as the travellers walked on their eyes flinching from the darkness rested joyfully on the gracious moon but that joy lasted only for a little time the thin woman spoke to the children curiously about the moon and indeed she might speak with assurance on that subject for her ancestors had sported in the cold beam through countless dim generations it is not known said she that the fairies seldom dance for joy but for sadness that they have been expelled from the sweet dawn and therefore their midnight revels are only ceremonies to remind them of their happy state in the morning of the world before thoughtful curiosity and self-righteous moralities drove them from the kind face of the sun to the dark exile of midnight it is strange that we may not be angry while looking on the moon indeed no mere appetite or passion of any kind dare become imperative in the presence of the shining one and this in a more limited degree is true also of every form of beauty for there is something in an absolute beauty to chide away the desires of materiality and yet to dissolve the spirit in ecstasies of fear and sadness beauty has no liking for thought but will send terror and sorrow on those who look upon her with intelligent eyes we may neither be angry nor gay in the presence of the moon nor may we dare to think of her in bailiwick or the jealous one will surely afflict us i think that she is not benevolent but malign and that her mildness is a cloak for many shy infamies i think that beauty tends to become frightful as it becomes perfect and that if we could see it comprehendingly the extreme of beauty is a desolating hideousness and that the name of ultimate absolute beauty is madness therefore men should seek loveliness rather than beauty and so they would always have a friend to go beside them to understand and to comfort them for that is the business of loveliness but the business of beauty there is no person at all knows what that is beauty is the extreme which has not yet swung to and become merged in its opposite the poets have sung of this beauty and the philosophers have prophesied of it thinking that the beauty which passes all understanding is also the peace which passeth understanding but i think that whatever passes understanding which is imagination is terrible standing aloof from humanity and from kindness and that this is a sin against the holy ghost the great artist an isolated perfection is a symbol of terror and pride and it is followed only by the head of man 
but the heart winces from it aghast cleaving to that loveliness which is modesty and righteousness every extreme is bad in order that it may swing to and fertilize its equally horrible opposite thus speaking more to herself than to the children the thin woman beguiled the way the moon had brightened as she spoke and on either side of the path wherever there was a tree or a rise in the ground a black shadow was crouching tensely watchful seeming as if it might spring into terrible life at a bound of these shadows the children became so fearful that the thin woman forsook the path and adventured on the open hillside so that in a short time the road was left behind and around them stretched the quiet slopes in the full shining of the moon when they had walked for a long time the children became sleepy they were unused to being awake in the night and as there was no place where they could rest and as it was evident that they could not walk much farther the thin woman grew anxious already bridget had made a tiny whimpering sound and seamus had followed this with a sigh the slightest prolongation of which might have trailed into a sob and when children are overtaken by tears they do not understand how to escape from them until they are simply bored by much weeping when they topped the slight incline they saw a light shining some distance away and toward this the thin woman hurried as they drew near she saw it was a small fire and around this some figures were seated in a few minutes she came into the circle of the firelight and there she halted suddenly she would have turned and fled but fear loosened her knees so that they would not obey her will also the people by the fire had observed her and a great voice demanded that she should draw near the fire was made of branches of heather and beside it three figures sat the thin woman hiding her perturbation as well as she could came nigh and sat down by the fire after a low word of greeting she gave some of her cake to the children drew them close to her wrapped her shawl about their heads and bade them sleep then shrinkingly she looked at her hosts they were quite naked and each of them gazed on her with intent earnestness the first was so beautiful that the eye failed upon him flinching aside as from a great brightness he was of mighty stature and yet so nobly proportioned so exquisitely slender and graceful that no idea of gravity or bulk went with his height his face was kingly and youthful and of a terrifying serenity the second man was of equal height but broad to wonderment so broad was he that his great height seemed diminished the tense arm on which he leaned was knotted and ridged with muscle and his hand gripped deeply into the ground his face seemed as though it had been hammered from hard rock a massive blunt face as rigid as his arm the third man could scarcely be described he was neither short nor tall he was muscled as heavily as the second man as he sat he looked like a colossal toad squatting with his arms about his knees and upon these his chin rested he had no shape nor swiftness and his head was flattened down and was scarcely wider than his neck he had a protruding dog-like mouth that twitched occasionally and from his little eyes there glinted a horrible intelligence 
before this man the soul of the thin woman groveled she felt herself crawling to him the last terrible abasement of which humanity is capable came upon her a fascination which would have drawn her to him in screaming adoration hardly could she look away from him but her arms were about the children and love mightiest of the powers stirred fiercely in her heart the first man spoke to her woman said he for what purpose do you go abroad on this night and on this hill i travel sir said the thin woman searching for the bruges of angus and the son of dagdamore we are all children of the great father said he do you know who we are i do not know that said she we are the three absolutes the three redeemers the three alembics the most beautiful man the strongest man and the ugliest man in the midst of every strife we go unhurt we count the slain and the victors and pass on laughing and to us in the eternal order come all the peoples of the world to be regenerated for ever why have you called to us i did not call to you indeed said the thin woman but why do you sit in the path so that travellers to the house of dagda are halted on their journey there are no paths closed to us he replied even the gods seek us for they grow weary in their splendid desolation saving him who liveth in all things and in us him we serve and before his awful front we abase ourselves you o woman who are walking in the valleys of anger have called to us in your heart therefore we are waiting for you on the side of the hill choose now one of us to be your mate and do not fear to choose for our kingdoms are equal and our powers are equal why would i choose one of you replied the thin woman when i am well married already to the best man in the world beyond us there is no best man said he for we are the best in beauty and the best in strength and the best in ugliness there is no excellence which is not contained in us three if you are married what does that matter to us who are free from the pettiness of jealousy and fear being at one with ourselves and with every manifestation of nature if she replied you are the absolute and are above all pettiness can you not be superior to me also and let me pass quietly on my road to dagda we are what all humanity desire quoth he and we desire all humanity there is nothing small or great disdained by our immortal appetites it is not lawful even for the absolute to outgrow desire which is the breath of god quick in his creatures and not to be bounded or surmounted by any perfection during this conversation the other great figures had leaned forward listening intently but saying nothing the thin woman could feel the children like little terrified birds pressing closely and very quietly to her sides sir said she tell me what is beauty and what is strength and what is ugliness for although i can see these things i do not know what they are i will tell you that he replied beauty is thought and strength is love and ugliness is generation the home of beauty is the head of man the home of strength is the heart of man and in the loins ugliness keeps his dreadful state 
if you come with me you shall know all delight you shall live unharmed in the flame of the spirit and nothing that is gross shall bind your limbs or hinder your thought you shall move as a queen amongst all raging passions without torment or despair never shall you be driven or ashamed but always you will choose your own paths and walk with me in freedom and contentment and beauty all things said the thin woman must act according to the order of their being and so i say to thought if you hold me against my will presently i will bind you against your will for the holder of an unwilling mate becomes the guardian and the slave of his captive that is true said he and against a thing that is true i cannot contend therefore you are free from me but from my brethren you are not free the thin woman turned to the second man you are strength said she i am strength and love he boomed and with me there is safety and peace my days have honour and my nights quietness there is no evil thing walks near my lands nor is any sound heard but the lowing of my cattle the songs of my birds and the laughter of my happy children come then to me who gives protection and happiness and peace and does not fail or grow weary at any time i will not go with you said the thin woman for i am a mother and my strength cannot be increased i am a mother and my love cannot be added to what have i further to desire from thee thou great man you are free of me said the second man but from my brother you are not free then to the third man the thin woman addressed herself in terror for to that hideous one something cringed within her in an ecstasy of loathing that repulsion which at its strongest becomes attraction gripped her a shiver a plunge and she had gone but the hands of the children withheld her while in woe she abased herself before him he spoke and his voice came clogged and painful as though it urged from the matted pores of the earth itself there is none left to whom you may go but me only do not be afraid but come to me and i will give you these wild delights which have been long forgotten all things which are crude and riotous all that is gross and without limit is mine you shall not think and suffer any longer but you shall feel so surely that the heat of the sun will be happiness the taste of food the wind that blows upon you the ripe ease of your body these things will amaze you who have forgotten them my great arms about you will make you furious and young again you shall leap on the hillside like a young goat and sing for joy as the birds sing leave this crabbed humanity that is barred and chained away from joy and come with me to whose ancient quietude at the last both strength and beauty will come like children tired in the evening returning to the freedom of the brutes and the birds with bodies sufficient for their pleasure and with no care for thought or foolish curiosity but the thin woman drew back from his hand saying 
it is not lawful to turn again when the journey is commenced but to go forward to whatever is appointed nor may we return to your meadows and trees and sunny places who have once departed from them the torments of the mind may not be renounced for any easement of the body until the smoke that blinds us is blown away and the tormenting flame has fitted us for that immortal ecstasy which is the bosom of god nor is it lawful that ye great ones should beset the path of travellers seeking to lure them away with cunning promises it is only at the cross-roads ye may sit where the traveller will hesitate and be in doubt but on the highway ye have no power you are free of me said the third man until you are ready to come to me again for i only of all things am steadfast and patient and to me all return in their season there are brightnesses in my secret places in the woods and lamps in my gardens beneath the hills tended by the angels of god and behind my face there is another face not hated by the bright ones so the three absolutes arose and strode mightily away and as they went their thunderous speech to each other boomed against the clouds and the earth like a gusty wind and even when they had disappeared that great rumble could be heard dying gently away in the moonlit distances the thin woman and the children went slowly forward on the rugged sloping way far beyond near the distant summit of the hill there was a light gleaming yonder said the thin woman is the bruges of angus mackinog the son of dagda moor and toward this light she assisted the weary children in a little she was in the presence of the god and by him refreshed and comforted she told him all that had happened to her husband and implored his assistance this was readily accorded for the chief business of the gods is to give protection and assistance to such of their people as require it but and this is their limitation they cannot give any help until it is demanded the free will of mankind being the most jealously guarded and holy principle in life therefore the interference of the loving gods comes only on an equally loving summons End of chapter 17 The Thin Woman's Journey and the Happy March